Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory forever. A most blessed feast of Pentecost to all of you. I wish our temple was big enough that we could make it like a forest in here, like many of the pictures I've seen posted these past couple days of what Pentecost looks like in the big Byzantine churches. They got mighty trees and huge shrubbery and all. It's marvelous. But we wear green because it means new life. So that's why we wear green. The beautiful words in our gospel today that always gives me great strength and comfort. And when I heard them proclaimed today, I thought to myself, it's going to be okay. Whatever's going on inside of me, it's going to be okay. And the words were, when the guards came back and the Pharisees asked, didn't you bring Jesus in? They said, we've never heard anyone speak that way before. Imagine what that must have sounded like, the draw and the attraction of his words. We have never heard anyone speak like that before. I've had kind of an interesting past few weeks, strange kind of things encounters I've had. One happened a few weeks ago out in the porch here by the front gate. A, a man came in and uh, I was having a hard time with his, his accent. I think he was from Korea. Uh, he lives in the neighborhood. He wanted to know about our church. So I tried to explain it to him, to somebody who's got no idea, to the best I could. And then he starts asking, well, you know, do, do you have the prophets? Do you have, you know, Abraham and, and Jacob and, and David? And I, go, I go, yeah, that's, that's all part of our heritage, yes. He goes, he goes, well, I'm a prophet. He goes, I'm the grandson of King David. I go, okay. And then he asks me some more questions. And, and finally he says, you know, I'm more advanced than you. And who am I to say otherwise? I go, well, it sounds like you are. And he asked if he could come, but I haven't seen him uh, arrive. And then I have an opportunity. Someone, I was uh, in a hospital, and someone asked a very sincere question of what kind of gospel you use, our, our Bible, and I explained to him, uh, you know, the, what we use. And he goes, is it filled with the Holy Spirit? I'd never been asked that question before. But I told him it was imbued with the Holy Spirit. It all came about because of the Holy Spirit. But then the, the cherry on the cake of it all was last Sunday afternoon. You know, it was a beautiful Sunday afternoon. And I was driving up to the outreach, and I went to Seattle. And, you know, you go underneath the convention center. And just when you get out on the other side, you start to see Lake Union. And I always love looking at Lake Union on a sunny day. And I look at all the boats and imagine all these people out there relaxing and having an enjoyable time. But my eye caught sight of a building that was wrapped in white. It was under construction. And as soon as I saw that, right in front of it was this huge glass, it looked like glass sign, with white letters. And it said, science is God. And, of course, it was gone. And I go, did I read that right? And so on the way home that, that night, I risked life and limb trying to look back to see to make sure I really read that right. And I thought to myself, you know, what do I think of that? 
Not what do I think about the statement. It means nothing to me. But what about the person or persons that went to the time and expense to proclaim their creed out in front of everyone? Science is God. Well, one of the first things I thought to myself is, wow, their God is pretty small and limited. Their God doesn't have all the answers. And the thing that hurt the worst for me is, their God is so cold. It could care less about the person because there is no personal relationship with science. There's just what's observable, measurable. That's it. Science is God. But we have a God who is very much interested in us. A God who gave us science. Yes, science has meaning, but it's extremely inept as far as an eschatology. It gives us no answers to the final meaning, the thoughts of life, death, the judgment, heaven, hell. You know, what is my meaning? What is my purpose in life? It can't answer that. It can't even rightfully ask the question. Because even the question is outside the scope of what can be measurable. If we look at all the feasts we've been celebrating since Pascha, we see our God is a God who wanted to have a relationship with you and I. He didn't want to just set us in motion and leave us alone to our own devices, never to be interfered with again. He wanted you and I to know Him, to experience His love. And He could not do that enthroned in the heavenly kingdom because He's above and beyond us. He is in a place that's above and beyond where science and reason can go. We enter into that great realm of faith. So he sent his son into the world. He gave his son flesh through the Virgin Mary. He became man. He walked among us. We got to know God, the face of God right there. We got to hear God's voice. We see what God does how God loves, how God forgives, how God shows mercy, how God's not concerned about the, 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 the life He's concerned about, the salvation of your soul. Not about the science of it all. Not about the governance of the world around us. He's only interested in the salvation of your soul for the one purpose, that you can have life in Him. And so we come to this great feast, this feast that ties up all the other feasts together in a nice, beautiful bow, a feast of life, a feast that begins the life of the church because it makes the presence of Christ possible to each and every one of us. It makes Christ's presence possible in the sacraments. It makes Christ's presence possible in this divine liturgy, all by the power and action of the Holy Spirit. While he walked on the earth physically, he could not be everywhere in his flesh. But once he ascended and was at the right hand of the Father, through the power of the Holy Spirit, he is present. 
And we see that, as St. Basil would say, that the creation needs life, and the Holy Spirit is that giver of life. The creation needs understanding, and the Spirit is the teacher, and that creation needs sanctification, and the Holy Spirit is the sanctifier. You and I couldn't even be gathering here together today if it wasn't for the power of the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit makes possible for us to have a little bit of understanding of God, a little desire for God, and if we allow our hearts to be open, a great desire of God, where our heart burns with fire for the love of Him. And it makes real for us things that are beyond intellect and reason. It's that faith that gives life to faith. But St. Basil will go on to say something that tells us the real meaning of it all. Why we're celebrating all this and the power that the Holy Spirit, the action the Holy Spirit has in our lives. And why it's important to celebrate this feast. And why it's important to wear green on, on Pentecost and celebrate the life and decorate our homes in green. He will write this. And this is on, a works, on his works on the Holy Spirit. Quote, The Spirit raises our hearts to heaven, guides the steps of the weak, and brings to perfection those who are making progress. He enlightens those who have been cleansed from every sin of stain of sin and makes them spiritual by communion with himself. He will go on to say, From the Spirit comes foreknowledge of the future, understanding of the mysteries of faith, insight into the hidden mysteries of Scripture and other special gifts. Through the Spirit, we become citizens of heaven. We are admitted into the company of the angels. We enter into eternal happiness and abide in God. Through the Spirit, we acquire a likeness to God indeed, we attain what is beyond our most sublime aspirations. We become God. Science can't do that for us. It's meaningful and it has value, but it cannot give you life, and it cannot give you eternal life in Christ. It cannot deify you. It cannot make you sons and daughters of God. That's the gift that we have been given on this feast. The means by which we not only can abide in God, but that we become God. Not through grace, I mean nature, but by participation in the grace of God. This is the great gift we have been given. And we celebrate it with the greatest solemnity as we can. And we talk about the giver of life, the treasure of blessings. That's the Holy Spirit that has come upon you, who have been sanctified through your chrismation. You have been sealed in the gift of the Holy Spirit. You've been given the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And it's up to you to foster those gifts, to living that sacramental life, living that ascetical life, so your whole heart burns with fire for the living God. Because science is not God. 
God has given us science. Just because he loves us. And he knew how we like to explore and to learn. But that will never satisfy us. The only one that can give us meaning and satisfaction is the one true God of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Glory to Jesus Christ.